All right, folks, today we have a recap of round two of the Democratic debates. Round two, fight. This was the night that most people were looking forward to to kind of separate the pack as the candidates for the second night included Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. We also saw Michael Bennett of Colorado, Pete Buttigieg, mayor of South Bend, Indiana, the great flip-flopper Kirsten Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, whose most fluent language is lies, former Colorado Governor John Hickenlooper, author Marianne Williamson, UBI guy Andrew Yang, and forever alone Eric Swalwell. You might remember him as the one who talked about nuking gun owners. The theme of tonight's debate was buying your votes with promises of free stuff. But first, I'm going to put the gun issue right up front since that's a big one for a lot of you and it's what I did last time. So hold on to your seats, boys and girls, because it was all kinds of stupid. The second night of debate started the gun question with Eric Swalwell in his unique position. You're proposing that the government should buy back every assault weapon in America and it should be mandatory. How do you envision that working, especially in states where gun rights are a strong flashpoint? Keep your pistols, keep your rifles, keep your shotguns, but we can take the most dangerous weapons from the most dangerous people. Apparently anyone who owns a so-called assault rifle is automatically dangerous. I've seen the plans of the other candidates here. They would all leave 15 million assault weapons in our communities. They wouldn't do a single thing to save a single life in Parkland. Why assault weapons are Senator, weapons you leave are from the military the streets, and that they should not be on the leave, streets of America. You would leave, your plan leaves them on the streets. You leave 15 million on we the streets. Ban the sale and, we ban the sale will and the distribution, and that's what I believe will for you, many years. Will you buy them back? If people want to buy, if the government wants to do that, if people want to You're going to be the government. Yes. Will you buy them back? Yes. Anything owned by a legal, law-abiding citizen is not on the streets. Guns in the hands of gangs, on the other hand, those are the ones on the streets, and they're not going to turn them into the cops, not even for a couple hundred bucks. As if the government even has that kind of money to be giving people. They'd probably be trying to buy back guns with $50 Visa gift cards. Of a generation who sends our children to school where we look at what they're wearing so we can remember it in case we have to identify them later. If you're that afraid of sending your kids to school, then don't send them to school. Homeschool them with Khan Academy or something. Rachel Maddow then read a quote from a 2015 Bernie interview in which he said guns are a state issue and not a federal issue. She read a quote and he accused her of mischaracterizing his statements. Senator Sanders, a Vermont newspaper recently released portions of an interview you gave in 2013 in which you said, quote, my own view on guns is everything being equal, states should make those decisions. No. Has your thinking changed since then? Do you well, now think there's a federal role no, to play? That's a mischaracterization of my thinking. It's a Look, quote of we you. have a gun. <laughs> we have a gun crisis right now, 40,000 people a year are getting killed. Actually, Senator, if we take suicides out of the question, only about 14,000 people die from gunshots a year, and several hundred of those are coming from Chicago alone. That information is from the CDC, by the way. Senator Gillibrand, I, I disagree seconds. with both their perspectives. The debate we're having in our party right now is confusing, because the truth is there's a big difference between capitalism on the one hand and greed on the other. And so all the things that we're trying to change, 
is when companies care more about profits when they do about people. So if you're talking about ending gun violence, it's the greed of the NRA and the gun manufacturers that make any progress imp impossible. Why do these people keep acting like the NRA physically sells guns? Yes, the NRA leadership is greedy, in that they've been taking in membership money and spending it on fancy vacations to Budapest. But number one, that's the next video in line, and number two, that only hurts gun owners. It's not creating gun violence. Now, Kamala, Kamala is f***ing terrifying because she says that if she's elected president, she will give Congress 100 days to pass gun control, and if they don't, she'll just executive order it in. No big deal. Your idea is a great one, Congressman Swalwell, and I'll say that there are a lot of great ideas. The problem is Congress has not had the courage to act, which is why when elected president of the United States, I will give the United States Congress 100 days to pull their act together, bring all these good ideas together, and put a bill on my desk for signature, and if they do not, I will take executive action, and I will put in place the most comprehensive background check policy we've had. I will require the ATF to take the licenses of gun dealers who violate the law, and I will ban by executive order the importation of assault weapons. It is enough. It is enough. There have been plenty of good ideas for members of the United States Congress. There's been no action. As president, I will take action. Mayor this is a gigantic, scary, tyrannical big deal. Then, get this, Rachel Maddow turns to Mayor Pete and says, well, you have military experience. Do you think military families will think differently of an assault weapons ban? Yeah, of course, because we trained on some of these kinds of weapons. Okay, but the thing is, Pete, as far as I know, the military doesn't train with civilian rifles. They train with real assault rifles, meaning rifles with intermediate cartridges that have a select fire ability. They're not training with AR-15s. And as somebody who trained on weapons of war, I can tell you that there are weapons that have absolutely no place in American cities or neighborhoods in peacetime, ever. Yes, Mayor Pete, those weapons of war, as you call them, that are on the streets, they're on the streets because of street gangs. Most civilians can't and don't own the guns that you're talking about. And as someone who supposedly trained with these rifles, you of all people should know that. If they're on the street, they're illegal, and there is nothing that any law can do about that. Then Biden pipes in that he's the only guy in America that got an assault weapons ban... banned? and that he got the number of clips in a gun also banned, which clearly demonstrates that he has no idea that there's a difference between clips and magazines. We increased that background check when, uh, during the Obama-Biden administration. I'm also the only guy that got assault weapons banned, banned, and the number of clips in a gun, banned. But if that wasn't enough of a train wreck, he also supports a buyback of all those guns, which I'm assuming means the fictitious assault weapon, and says that Americans have the right to demand that all guns be smart guns that require biometric scanners. And he's right, under free speech, Americans can demand whatever the hell they want. Doesn't mean that it's logistically sound or that they'll actually get it. It's just lips flapping in the wind. And remember, this is coming from the guy that told people to shoot shotguns in the air for self-defense, thinking that it was sound advice. 
As for the rest of the debate, this one started out with a bang that made me wonder if they were out for Bernie blood again this election cycle or what. You've called for big new government benefits like universal health care and free college. In a recent interview, you said you suspected that Americans would be, quote, delighted to pay more taxes for things like that. My question to you is, will taxes go up for the middle class in a Sanders administration? And if so, how do you sell that to voters? Well, you're quite right. We have a new vision for America. We think it is time for change, real change. And by that, I mean that health care, in my view, is a human right. I believe that education is the future for this country. And that is why I believe that we must make public colleges and universities tuition free and eliminate student debt. And we do that by placing a tax on Wall Street. Every proposal that I have brought forth is fully paid for. So the answer is yes. Taxes will go up, but I'm going to try and cover it up and sell it with a plea to emotion. And this is probably the only time during the whole night that the moderators didn't let someone get away with dodging the question. Senator Sanders, I'll give you 10 seconds just to ask the, answer the very direct question. Will you raise taxes for the middle class in the Sanders administration? People who have health care under Medicare for all will have no premiums, no deductibles, no co-payments, no out-of-pocket exp out expenses. Yes, they will pay more in taxes, but less in health care for what they get. Thank you, Senator. Nobody puts Bernie Sanders in a corner. Senator Harris. There's a lot of talk in this primary about new government benefits, such as student loan cancellation, free college, health care, and more. Do you think that Democrats have a responsibility to explain how they will pay for every proposal they make along those lines? Let me answer this for Kamala Harris. Yes. Yes, they do. When the government is over $22 trillion in debt and is still trying to give everyone free lunch, they absolutely have a responsibility to figure out how to pay the bills. That's just basic adult functioning. Well, let me tell you something. I, I hear that question, but where was that question when the Republicans and Donald Trump passed a tax bill that benefits the top 1% and the biggest corporations in this country? So because the bad guys did it, it's okay. Republican debt is bad, but Democratic debt is a-okay. AKA, I hear that question, but can't answer it. This economy is not working for working people. For too long, the rules have been written in the favor of the people who have the most and not in favor of the people who work the most, which is why I am proposing that we change the tax code so for every family that is making less than $100,000 a year, they will receive a tax credit that they can collect up to $500 a month. $500 a month? How many families is that? By the most recent data, roughly 70% of American households have incomes of under $100,000. We're talking about 89 million households. And each of these households is going to get a monthly $500 tax credit. So these politicians that say government can't pay for anything are going to voluntarily give up trillions of dollars of tax income while simultaneously putting in new programs that cost trillions of dollars in tax income. Math? Meanwhile, Bernie over here just told all of America that their taxes are going to go up even if they're middle class. 
Finally, he's said something honest. Get you in on this. You've warned that Democrats will lose in 2020 if they embrace socialism, as you put it. You were booed at the California Democratic Convention when you said that. Only one candidate on this stage, Senator Sanders, identifies himself as a democratic socialist. What are the policies or positions of your opponents that you think are veering towards socialism? They are just throwing this guy under the bus. Why do they need him to define socialism and call out who the socialists are? Can't they just open the dictionary? The bottom line is if we don't clearly define that we are not socialists, the Republicans are going to come at us every way they can and, and call us socialists. And if you look at the Green New Deal, which I admire the sense of urgency and how important it is to do climate change, I'm a scientist, but we can't promise every American a government job. If you want to get universal health care coverage, I believe that health care is a right and not a privilege, but you can't expect to eliminate private insurance for 180 million people, many of whom who don't want to give it up. In Colorado, we brought businesses and nonprofits together. We got the <coughs> near universal health care coverage. And we were also the first place to, to expand reproductive rights on a scale basis. And we reduced teen pregnancy by 54%. We've done the big progressive things that people said couldn't be done. I've done what pretty much everyone else up here is still talking about doing. I looked into his claim about Colorado having near-universal coverage. And that's true, but it was due to the exchanges and expansions required by Obamacare. So I don't know how much we can really credit him with this. Senator Bennett, you have said, quote, it's possible to write policy proposals that have no basis in reality. You might as well call them candy. Were you referring to any candidate or proposal in particular when you said that? You, was that directed to me? Yes, oh, that was thank your quote. You. That sounded like me. Thank you. It was you. I appreciate it. Um, well, look, first of all, I agree completely with Bernie about what the fundamental challenge we're facing as a country is. Where I disagree is on his solution on Medicare for all. <laughs> Amazing. I mean, Bernie does look like he could be one of those guys driving one of those creepy free candy vans. But wait, but Bernie mentioned, Bernie, if I could just finish, Bernie mentioned that the taxes that we would have to pay because of those taxes, Vermont rejected Medicare for all. Senator, we are going to talk about health care at length, Senator, but at, for the moment, I, my colleague Thank Jose wants to continue the question. Oh, shots fired. You shot my battleship. And look how fast they shut him up. Because he's not wrong. Even Politico reported that Vermont couldn't pay for it and that the extra taxes would hurt Vermont's economy. Vermont's own governor at the time, Peter Shumlin, came out and admitted that the taxes would have been too high. They would have had to increase state taxes by a generous 151%. I want to say hello and good evening, buenas noches to uh, Mayor uh, Buttigieg. Buenas noches, gracias de invitarnos. Gusto en verlo, caballero. Seriously, uh, are we doing this again tonight? Am I going to have to invest in a Spanish to English dictionary to keep track of the election this year? College affordability is personal for us. Chasson and I have six-figure student debt. Yeah, I'm sure that he has six-figure student loan debt because he went to Harvard and then one of the colleges of Oxford, as in the Oxford in England. That is not the typical American college experience. I also believe in free college for low- and middle-income students for whom cost could be a barrier. I just don't believe it makes sense to ask working-class families to subsidize even the children of billionaires. 
I think the children of the wealthiest Americans can pay at least a little bit of tuition. And while I want tuition costs to go down, I don't think we can buy down every last penny for them. Oh, I see. So we're going to have free college for everyone except the rich people who will also end up paying more because they'll be subsidizing all the people not paying. That's totally not how you lower the cost of college. There's something else that doesn't get talked about in the college affordability debate. Yeah, math, basic economics. It also needs to be more affordable in this country to not go to college. Yes, promote the trades. You should be able to live well, afford rent, be generous to your church and Little League. Whether you went to college or not, that's one of many reasons we need to raise the minimum wage to at least $15 an hour. Oh, oh, well, that's disappointing. Jose, I've got $100,000 in student loan debt myself. Oh, so tonight, instead of having a woke off, we're going to have a debt off. It's gonna be the next generation, the 40 million of us who can't start a family, can't take a good idea and start a business. Okay, Duke Nukem, why don't you focus on actually having a good idea first? That might be your problem. Uh, Mr. Yang, your, your signature <laughs> policy is to give every adult in the United States $1,000 a month, no questions asked. That's right. Uh, I think that's like $3.2 trillion a year. How would you do that? You know that this guy is the underdog if the moderators actually did out the math as to how much this proposal would cost. So it's difficult to do if you have companies like Amazon, trillion dollar tech companies paying literally zero in taxes while they're closing 30% of our stores. Now, we need to put the American people in position to benefit from all these innovations in other parts of the economy. And if we had a value-added tax at even half the European level, it would generate over $800 billion in new revenue, which combined with the money in our hands, it would be the trickle-up economy from our people, families, and communities up. We would spend the money and it would circulate through our regional economies and neighborhoods, creating millions of jobs. Now, you all know that I hate taxes, but if it came to a value-added tax versus an income tax, I'd absolutely pick the value-added tax because then at least I'm being taxed on an item that I'm choosing to consume rather than being punished for working and being productive. But this is talking about adding a value-added tax on top of all the income taxes and sales taxes that we already have. And the thing is, this tax wouldn't necessarily make Amazon pay taxes if that is indeed the issue. Most of the time, Amazon isn't the manufacturer, and a lot of times they're also not the retailer. Sometimes Amazon is just the middleman with the website the stuff is listed on. The value-added tax typically gets paid at points of sale. A manufacturer buying the materials, a wholesaler buying the product, then a retailer buying from the wholesaler, and finally the customer buying from a retailer, etc, etc. It ultimately raises prices across the board. There have also been nonpartisan studies that have shown that since the price of materials would go up, a value-added tax would decrease manufacturing even more and cost an additional 850,000 jobs in the first year alone. Even without that, I don't understand how adding more taxes is supposedly going to create millions of jobs out of thin air. This is the move that we have to make, particularly as technology is now automating away millions of American jobs. It's why Donald Trump is our president today. Oh, oh, so technology elected Trump. Mr. if I get you uh, understand a little bit better, so you're saying $1,000 a month for everyone over 18, but a value-added tax, so you can spend that $1,000 on value-added tax? 
Wow, looks like we're having the big kid debate today instead of the clown show that was night one. You can also see who here are the underdogs because the moderators are asking them the real questions. I was six years old when a presidential candidate came to the California Democratic Convention and said, it's time to pass the torch to a new generation of Americans. That candidate was then Senator Joe Biden. Joe Biden was right when he said it was time to pass the torch to a new generation of Americans 32 years ago. He's still right today. If we're gonna solve the issues of automation, pass the torch. If we're gonna solve the issues of climate chaos, pass the torch. If we're gonna solve the issue of student loan debt, pass the torch. If we're gonna end gun violence for families who are fearful of sending their kids to school, pass the torch. Dude, look at Biden's face. That is a low blow. Finish him. Vice President, would you like to sing a torch I song? I would. <laughs> I'm still holding on to that torch. Most anticlimactic comeback ever. Then Mayor Pete and Bernie Sanders duked it out a bit over who has the authority to talk next based on age. As the oldest and loudest guy on stage, Sanders yelled out that age doesn't matter, and then everyone just started arguing like a bunch of indignant children. Senator Harris. You can't afford so part, to wait for evolution on these issues. Okay. Hey guys, you know what? America does not want to witness a food fight. They want to know how we're going to put food on their table. Yeah. Oh, so brave. So brave. You know that she rehearsed that line for days ahead of this, just hoping that she would get a chance to use it. You ask them, how are you measuring the greatness of this economy of yours? And they point to the jobless numbers and the unemployment numbers. Well, yeah, people in America are working. They're working two and three jobs. So when we talk about jobs, let's be really clear. In our America, no one should have to work more than one job to have a roof over their head and food on the table. Even if that job is pizza delivery guy, dishwasher, or the people that gather up the shopping carts, not for nothing, Kamala, but those aren't typical full-time careers. You know what? I, I have to stop commenting on every ridiculous thing they say, or else this video is going to be six hours long. The moderators then shifted over to healthcare and do another show of hands question about abolishing private health insurance. We know from the CDC that, again, about 70% of Americans under the age of 65 have private health insurance, and that according to Gallup, 70% of Americans also really like their insurance. Bernie and Kamala raised their hands, and then Biden did this weird half-hearted finger raise thing. A few days later, by the way, Kamala denied her position and said that she didn't properly hear the question. But this is an issue that she's been flip-flopping on so much as of late that even the Washington Post has caught on. Gillibrand then stepped up and said that the best way to get to single-payer universal health care is to let the insurance companies try to compete with the single option, which is how free market economics work which is how the insurance industry would work if it wasn't actually the government deciding things like premium prices and telling those companies who and what they have to cover. So her idea is to try and fix the problem the government created by sprinkling in more government, which is basically every leftist plan ever. The best part, she compares it to Social Security, which I'm pretty sure is about to go broke and which the government borrows money from like an addict taking from a kid's piggy bank. Mayor Pete then went on about how it's important to keep a private option and pointed out that even in places like England, people still carry private insurance, which is correct. 
But then he went off on this anecdote about how Medicare covers end-of-life care and no one ever has to worry about what coverage they get with Medicare. I told you this last time and I'll say it again. Medicare sucks. In the case of long-term care, Medicare requires you to spend all of your own money first, at which point they'll tell you to switch over to Medicaid, and then Medicaid puts a lien on your house and gets first dibs on your assets. So this line about not having to worry about bankruptcy under Medicare is a crock of crap. Also, single payer. Has anyone seen the VA? They do an awesome job. I totes want me some of that. Senator Sanders, you have basically, you basically want to scrap the private health insurance system as we know it and replace it with a government-run plan. None of the states that have tried something like that, California, Vermont, New York has struggled with it, have been successful. If politicians can't make it work in those states, how would you implement it on a national level? How does this work? This definitely is a very different debate than the previous night. Where were these questions then? Why didn't they say any of this to Elizabeth Warren, who said that she supports Bernie's plan? Bernie had to be asked this question twice, by the way. Senator, uh, Senator, a Medicare for I, all I just single have, payer I, I just have to follow up there. How do you implement it on a national I'm level? Sorry? How do you implement it on a I'll national level, given the fact it's, it's not succeeded in other states that have tried? I will tell you how we'll do it. We'll do it the way real change has always taken place whether it was the labor movement, the civil rights movement, or the women's movement. We will have Medicare for all when tens of millions of people are prepared to stand up and tell the insurance companies and the drug companies that their day is gone. Oh, so we'll make it work by standing up and yelling. Man, why hasn't anyone else ever thought of that before? When Senator Sanders says that Canada is single payer, there are 35 million people in Canada. There are 330 million people in the United States. Like also, I will say, Bernie is a very honest person. He has said over and over again, unlike others that have supported this legislation, over and over again, that this will ban, make illegal, all insurance except cosmetic, except insurance for, I guess that's for plastic surgery. Everything else is banned under the Medicare for All You're, proposal I, I that let, he I has I let you go a little longer like there, but, I want, but obviously, here. Senator Sanders, you, you get a response. Senator Sanders, you Just very briefly. You know, Mike, Medicare is the most popular I health agree. insurance program in the country. People don't like their private insurance companies. Yes, Bernie, it's so popular that according to AARP, only 8% of all Medicare enrollees rely solely on Medicare. The other 92% all pay for extra supplemental insurance. I feel like if it was as awesome and popular as Bernie says, we'd be seeing some very, very different numbers. Then everyone fought about who had the worst personal medical story, who most recently had to visit the emergency room, and who can use it best to prove that they're a relatable human being, until the moderator stepped in and politely told everyone to shut up. So then the natural progression here was for the moderators to then ask how many of the candidates would cover undocumented immigrants under their insurance plans, and everyone raised their hand. So I'm just wondering, logistically, how this would all work. Only 13 states plus D.C. allow undocumented immigrants to have driver's licenses. Many undocumented immigrants aren't even eligible for state IDs. If these people aren't documented and have no form of identification, how are they going to apply for health insurance, government or not? 
The moderators then went around and asked candidates what they would do about immigration on day one, and we get the usual stock answer of various executive orders. Kamala Harris's executive order would include reinstating DACA, which, not for nothing, Trump did offer to do for three years in exchange for border wall funding during the government shutdown, and Democrats rejected it. Not saying whether or not that was the right call, but it makes me question Harris and company's dedication to the Dreamers. She also says this while conspicuously calling the future president a woman and pausing to wait for the inevitable applause. And I will ensure that the, the, this microphone that the president of the United States holds in her hand is used in a way that is about reflecting the values of our country. She would also magically end the detention centers and separation policies that have been at the heart of several legal battles since the 1980s. Every single one of these candidates acts like this is a brand new issue that suddenly happened the day Trump took office. Like I said in the last video, this is a complicated problem with almost four decades of legal history. And because of that, it can't just be executive ordered away. There's also a show of hands question about decriminalizing illegal immigration to make it a civil offense instead. They pan out the camera quickly so it's hard to tell, but it looks like everyone raises their hands except for Michael Bennett. And Biden does another one of those half up finger things. The moderators asked him to clarify and he never did. The idea that he's in court with his Justice Department saying children in cages do not need a bed, do not need a blanket, do not need a toothbrush, that is outrageous. Vice President, the I would also like to point out that this issue of immigrants in detention centers not having soap, blankets, and toothbrushes dates back to the Obama era. I do personally believe that toothbrushes, toothpaste, and soap are basic hygienic items, and illegal or not, people should have access to them. Violent criminals in prison do, so why shouldn't mostly nonviolent people and children have access? But those photos going around of the horrible conditions in the detention centers were taken in 2015. In fact, those 2015 photos were used in a lawsuit brought against the U.S. Customs and Border Protection by the ACLU in the American Immigration Council. Immigrants not having access to soap and toothbrushes is right in paragraph 6, lines 6 and 7 of the 2015 lawsuit. And where was Joe Biden then? President Obama, I think, did a heck of a job. To compare him to what, what this guy's doing is absolutely, I find, close to immoral. Actually, the comparison isn't immoral, it's factually accurate. And of course, Bernie had to one-up Biden with pledges to executive order away every Trump policy ever. And then John Bennett compares the immigrant crisis directly to the Holocaust, and you know what, let's just move on. The topic then switched to civil rights and then went to this weird place where Rachel Maddow demanded to know why Mayor Pete didn't have more black police in South Bend, Indiana. She points out that only 6% of the police force is black in a town that is 26% black and demands to know, why hasn't that changed? Who knows why, but you can't force people to become police officers just because they're minorities. That's just weird. And then Marianne Williamson interrupted to say that slavery reparations would fix everything. Which of course posed the perfect opportunity for Kamala Harris to attack Biden for his past opposition to state mandated busing and his comments about having to work with people you don't like or don't agree with when in politics. 
She was referencing comments in which Biden talked about having to work with segregationists in the past and getting things done in Congress, despite those men being the meanest people he had ever met, as he told it. But apparently these days you're supposed to buck down and refuse to do your job if it means working with people you disagree with, so Kamala condemned him and basically said, um, I don't think you're a racist, but you're totally a racist. And I'm gonna now direct this at Vice President Biden. Um, I do not believe you are a racist. And I agree with you when you commit yourself to the importance of finding common ground. But I also believe, and it is personal, and I was actually very, it was hurtful, to hear you talk about the reputations of two United States senators who built their reputations and career on the segregation of race in this country. And it was not only that, but you also worked with them to oppose busing. And, you know, there was a little girl in California who was part of the second class to integrate her public schools. And she was bused to school every day. And that little girl was me. As Attorney General of California, I was very proud to put in place a, a requirement that all my special agents would wear body cameras and keep those cameras on. I just want to point out that while she previously stated that body cams would help with transparency, and while she did implement it within her own department as Attorney General, Harris was against body cams being a state or federal requirement. Biden then defended himself, defended his civil rights record, and defended his position back then that busing should have been a community issue rather than a federal issue, and then Harris demanded to know if he would take the same position today, even though she herself has dodged the question several times and has refused to give an answer when asked if she would support mandated busing today. They argued some more, Biden defended himself, and then rolled over and died and said, my time's up even though every other candidate has shown that the moderators let everyone just steamroll through the time limits. I, report, I supported the ERA from the very beginning. I'm the guy that extended the Voting Rights Act for 25 years. We got to the place where we got 98 out of 98 votes in the United States Senate doing it. I've also argued very strongly that we, in fact, deal with the notion of denying people access to the ballot box. I agree that everybody, once they, in fact, they should, anyway, my time's up, I'm sorry. Thank you, Vice President. The next one is just funny. As a straight, old white guy, Bernie has said in the past that people shouldn't choose a candidate based on their age, race, gender, or sexual orientation. Again, because he's an old, white, straight guy. The moderators turn that into, so you're saying we shouldn't have diversity, and Bernie has to eat his words. Senator Sanders, I want to go to you on this. You said on the day you launched your campaign that voters should focus on what people stand for, not a candidate's race or age or sexual orientation. Are you telling Democratic voters that diversity shouldn't matter when they make this decision? No, absolutely not. Uh, unlike the Republican Party, we encourage diversity, we believe in diversity. That's what America is about. But in addition to diversity, in terms of having more women, more people from the LGBT community, we also have to do something else. We need a party that is diverse, but we need a party that has the guts to stand up to the powerful special interests who have so much power over the economic and political life of this country. Where Bernie left off, 
We've heard a lot of good ideas on this stage tonight and a lot of plans, but the truth is, until you go to the root of the corruption, the money in, the, in politics, the fact that Washington is run by the special interests, you are never going to solve any of these problems. If we do that and get money out of politics, we can guarantee health care is a right, not a privilege, we can deal with institutional racism, we can take on income inequality, and we can take on the corporate corruption that runs Washington. Yes, all of these politicians that take all of these kickbacks and all of these donations from big corporations and special interests are going to get the money, special interests, and corruption out of politics. <laughs> They're so cute when they lie. The next part is also pretty funny. Everyone just sort of dogpiled on Biden, saying he didn't do enough under Obama or in the Senate and didn't prevent Mitch McConnell from ruining everything. All of those things has happened since Senate, uh, Vice President Biden was in the Senate. And we face structural problems that we have to overcome with a broad coalition. It's the only way we can do it. We need to root out the corruption in Washington, expand people's right to get to the polls, and I think then we can succeed. Vice President Biden, uh, 30 seconds. I want I, I, what, um, it does sound as if you haven't seen what's been happening in the United States Senate over the last 12 years. Then Biden said that he single-handedly stopped the government from going bankrupt? I have seen what happened. Just since we were vice president, we needed three votes to pass an $800 billion recovery act that kept us from going into depression. I got three votes changed. We needed to be able to keep the government from shutting down and going bankrupt. I got Mitch McConnell to raise taxes $600 billion by raising the top rate. I wish, I wish the government would go bankrupt. I mean, I guess technically with debt versus government revenue, it already is, but I wish getting rid of government was as simple as not letting Joe Biden get three votes. No one knows what it's like. The moderators moved on to abortion, suggesting that Roe v. Wade is on the brink of being repealed by the courts, and so what would all these candidates do about it? Bernie's solution is to only ever appoint Supreme Court judges that believe in abortion. Also, Medicare for All will guarantee abortions for everyone, regardless of Roe v. Wade. According to Bernie, Gillibrand's solution is simple. Just make sure that you have a woman president. Well, golly, that will solve everything. Surprisingly, they took those two answers and just moved on to climate change. They asked Harris what her specific plan is, and she just kind of went on about science fiction versus science fact, and used the wildfires that have happened in California forever as her evidence that we're in a climate crisis. Her plan is literally the Green New Deal. The horrible, nonsensical, ridiculous piece of bubblegum garbage pledging to get rid of cow farts. That is the Kamala Harris plan. Higginlooper said, <laughs> that's socialism. Bernie said to yell at it again. Swalwell said, pass the torch, again. Williamson literally said, imagination. And Mayor Pete said something about dirt and the importance of dirt. The moderators next asked the candidates if you could only tackle one issue, and it was your first issue, what would it be? Swalwell said gun violence, Gillibrand said a family bill of rights, Kamala Harris stole her answer, and Bernie again said that he would pass everything by getting people to stand up and yell about it. First thing, the premise that there's only one or two issues out there. 
This I'm not saying there's a one or two. Enormous crises. Senator we Sanders, need a political revolution. People have got to stand okay. up and take on the special interests. We can transform this country. Mayor Pete is going to fix democracy, whatever that means. Yang would pass his UBI. Marion Williamson is going to call New Zealand. Ms. Williamson, my with first the last call word. is to Prime Minister of New Zealand who said that her goal is to make New Zealand the place where it's the best place in the world for a child to grow up. And I will tell her girlfriend you are so on, because the United States of America is going Thanks. to be the best place in the world for a child to grow up. And Biden went on a tangent about Obama and said that the first thing he would do as president is defeat Donald Trump. The first, the first thing I would do is make sure that we defeat Donald Trump, okay. period. Okay, Joe, if you're president, then you already defeated Donald Trump. There were a few more gaffes and random weird crap to end the night. Moderators asked the candidates which international relationship that Trump has allegedly destroyed would they repair first, and Williamson offers to make another phone call. Well, one of my first phone calls would be to call the European leaders and say, we're back. And Swalwell said, our first act in foreign policy, we're breaking up with Russia and making up with NATO. He seems like someone who would have a lot of experience with breakups. For a final note, I'll leave you with the best of the candidates' final remarks. First, Eric Swalwell. I'm a congressman, but also a father of a two-year-old and an infant. When I'm not changing diapers, I'm changing Washington. Oh, that's cute and relevant. Marianne Williamson, by far, had the best closing remarks. I'm sorry we haven't talked more tonight about how we're going to beat Donald Trump. I have an idea about Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not going to be beaten just by insider politics talk. He's not going to be beaten just by somebody who has plans. He's going to be beaten by somebody who has an idea what this man has done. This man has reached into the psyche of the American people and he has harnessed fear for political purposes. So Mr. President, if you're listening, I want you to hear me please. You have harnessed fear for political purposes, and only love can cast that out. So I, sir, I have a feeling you know what you're doing. I'm going to harness love for political purposes. I will meet you on that field, and sir, love will win. Hickenlooper went anti-left for a split second and denounced big government. You don't need big government to do big things. I know that because I'm the one person up here who's actually done the big progressive things everyone else is talking about. Kamala Harris promises to prosecute Trump and promises to be honest despite every lie that she told during the debates. Bernie was crazy and everyone else was boring. As entertaining as that was, I am glad that it is over. At least until the end of the month when they do the next debate, which I will try to cover for you guys too. If you made it this far, congratulations! <laughs> Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Ring the notification bell or else YouTube will never ever tell you when I post something new. And please don't forget to leave a comment down below. It really helps the channel and it's great to see everyone else's takeaway from these debates. Until next time, thanks for watching and helping me to spread the message of liberty.